Pharisee, I preach the gospel I follow the apostles, you follow Pentecostals You're not reformed, so that's a risk I believe the five points like an asterisk I repent, but you're in sin still I spit rhymes and Fernando does a windmill Here we go and welcome to another episode of SolarCast Your boy Pastor Chris Hernandez and with my man Jimmy De Los Santos How you doing Pastor Chris? Pastor Henry Knox What's up, what's up Pastor Chris? What's going on people? Hey, what's going on, brothers? Why we why we recording on a, on a Thursday night, man? So early. <laughs> well, hey. the audience doesn't know, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's still, it's still gonna, it's just, gonna I, drop on Tuesday. But I just yeah, pulled yeah. the curtains, right? No, no. I, I I'm actually traveling tomorrow. I'm going to Indiana. We're having our first compelled conference. Hearts to the Lost Ministries is having their first compelled conference. We just got the news, and we have 75 registrants. Uh, wow, so that's good, it's, man. It's you yeah. know we we shoot for 50. And seventy five is a blessing, right? Yeah, and, that's great. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a great time. So Saturday Saturday morning, it's gonna be live streamed as well. Well, I don't know where, but I'll post it on social media when I when I find out. We're gonna teach evangelism in the morning. Do you know how to post videos to Facebook, bro? That's it's it's you know I'm Gen X, but you know I'm st- I'm, 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 learning, <laughs> I'm learning a little bit about how that, that might work. You know? Hey, so, hey, hey! Don't uh, be insane. I don't think I know how to post videos to Instagram, man. man I think oh, man. It's, it's, it's rough. <laughs> Bro, I, I don't know how people do Instagram. Yeah. You know, some of these apps that they got nowadays, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody about, you know, the videos on TikTok and they're like, why don't you do a video on TikTok? I don't know how to do that. It's not a scroll. Right. Well, you don't know how to do it. I mean, you send me and Henry oh, uh, TikTok videos all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, they're good. They're good videos, though, right? I mean, interesting stuff. Hey, Mark Driscoll was on there the other day. Oh, I saw okay. a Mark Driscoll uh TikTok, really and he was on point man he was on point he what he said i thought was interesting he said we think that we're running and at the finish line there is god's love no god's love is at the starting line we work from his love not towards his love oh, and I, I, thought, I thought it was a good analogy i sat there wow but the comments were crazy and people but just to be there, clear you're not you're not making a blanket endorsement for marketing <laughs> I, i'm not i'm not okay. i'm not i was just when i saw the video and saw what i saw it was i just stopped and listened i, to I just wanted the audience to know our position they're gonna clip it out they're gonna just yeah. clip the sound by yeah. you know, just like yeah. uh put me in the hot seat man i i i, yeah. I Categorically deny any association yeah. with Mark. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you can get some good stuff from just you know. There's there's sometimes you should listen to, to some things. I I thought the comments were interesting, right? Now everybody commenting there was uh, hey, but uh, you got to be obedient. If you're not obedient, you're gonna you're gonna be there's consequences for not being mm-hmm. obedient. And yeah, but not hell. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, every sin has its consequence, but Christians they still sin. You know, uh, but the consequence isn't going to be eternal damnation if you're in Christ, Amen. right? We 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 grow and we want our sin to go away. We fight our sin. Uh, we don't get comfortable in sin, but it happens, right? And so the 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 idea is that we repent and we keep on going forward because there's a there's a battle to be to be fought, and we got to continue in the fight. Uh, in any case, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, Mark Mark Driscoll's a controversial figure. He's a bit of a lightning rod. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, we, we hear about a lot of those lately, don't we? I mean, so controversial. Absolutely. Kind of, kind of, kind Absolutely. of things. Yeah. 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 How are we going to how are we going to convert this one, man? I don't even know. How. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking for the opening. We're looking for the lightning rod. Yeah. 
Well, well there certainly is a controversial issue going on in, in the news, right? So that's yeah. that's really what we, we want to talk about. And I guess we'll get right to it, man, and cut our banner short because we probably got a lot to say on this. And it's you know it's very heavy. It could be heavy, I guess. You know, depending on uh, you know which 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 way we're going to take it. Uh, but um, you know, so we wanted to talk about the headlines that's been in the news for the past maybe uh, over a week or so, which has been the leaked ruling uh, from the Supreme Court in regards to, to Roe v. Wade, which is the abortion law. So, uh, you know, this is that's what we want to talk about. I think a lot of people uh, have have had things to say already on Twitter, on Facebook. There's been countless blogs and articles written from people from the church, from political pundits and so forth. But, you know, we just kind of want to express our thoughts here from a Christian worldview. It's what we like to do often. Uh, yeah. So we just kind of wanted to uh, get on these mics and, and share our thoughts and give, uh, you know, our opinions and, and share what, what we think uh, from a biblical perspective, right? So, Jimmy, why don't you start us off with what's going on? Uh, what what sure. was the news that came down? And, and uh, you know, what is Roe v. Wade, in case somebody out there doesn't know? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what the catalyst was that, that caused Justice Alito to decide to write this this, this drafted opinion uh, back in February. But uh, he did, and he circulated it on May the 2nd. Someone leaked it to Politico, that news organization, and they published it on, on May the 2nd. So as of today's date, it's 10 days ago that they published it. Um, and it was an interesting, they published all uh, 75 pages of the document. And if, if you want to go to Politico and, and find the document, you can easily find it. Uh, I want to actually read, if, I, if you don't mind, a, a, a small portion of, of it, just a little quote. And this is important, I think, for our discussion because uh, it, it kind of lays out what Roe did way back when in 1973 when it was first enacted uh this is what it, this is what it says at the time of roe 30 states still prohibited abortion at all stages in the years prior to that decision about a third of the states had liberalized their laws but roe abruptly ended that political process it imposed the, the same highly restrictive regime regime on the entire nation and it effectively struck down the abortion laws of every single state see that's that's the thing. And I think there's a lot of conflation, right? So there's a lot of people that aren't even reading the document to understand what Roe, what overturning Roe v. Wade does. Uh, but to, just to start off with that, that leaking of that document has caused a, a lot of upheaval, a lot of, um, you know, protesting going on, a lot of craziness that's happening in the country uh, because this draft was was leaked, first and foremost, and then substantiated as yes this is what we're doing and it isn't official yet but by the end of june uh it may be an official decision that does overturn roe v wade and the consequence is simply this that the decision to uh enact laws is going to be is going to be at the state level now it, this this overturning doesn't doesn't make abortion illegal it just gives the decision back to the states and the voters of that state and that's what that's what that does. So um, that's what happened. I think the, the big headline is that they did the decision in the first place. And now everybody's ranting and raving about, you know, women's rights to choose and this type of thing. Right. So and, and make no make no uh, there's no make no bones about it. At the very beginning of his draft, he says this was a moral thing that was that happened back in uh 1973 uh he called it uh, a profound moral issue on which every every american holds differing views and the 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 enacting of roe v wade or the decision of roe v wade back in 1973 didn't end something it started something and so ever since then there have been two opposing uh, uh sides the pro-life side mm -hmm. and the 
the pro abortion side. I'm, I'm not going to yeah. say pro choice because I don't believe it's a choice. It's a pro abortion, you know, a side. And, and that's my opinion. My opinion is it's a pro death side. Let's yeah. just say that. Yeah. Um, and that's, that that's where we can start, right? I think, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, if, if people are hearing this program, you know, we're kind of front heavy with the information and it may seem like it's sort of going down a political avenue, but you'll quickly see that as Amy, uh, Jimmy ended his, his, um, his, 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 his talk here is that this is not a political issue. This is a moral issue. Like this has to do with God's law and sin and whether or not what we are executing upon the youngest of these, the least of these in our in our country is murder or not. And that's the reason why we're having this discussion now, because it is a very heavy discussion. Um, it is a very serious discussion that we need to have. And as Christians, we're going to have to come to a hardline position because I believe this issue is black and white. And we'll get into it a little bit later, but you know, just to kind of tell tell the audience, this this is not a, a political show. This is going to be a God-centered show as it always is. But we definitely have to go over the information because we do not want to be ignorant and go into the conversation like most conservative pundits or most liberal pundits and just kind of fly off at the handle with our own opinion. We want to let the word of God and God's moral law, moral standard reign supreme in our conversation. Yeah, no, good stuff. I, you know, I remember when the potential of this coming down came out a few months back and we we're getting news that the Supreme Court was actually going to take this up. I was kind of confused. I thought the Supreme Court was going to actually vote on it back then. And I remember sending out a little message when I was still at Ecclesia. I remember sending out a little message on our Slack prayer room, you know, for, for everyone to be praying for this decision. And again, I was kind of confused. I thought the decision was going to happen, you know, a few months back. It turns out it's not actually going to come out till June, right? Which is next month, but we got leak of it already. So, you know, in saying that, you know, when I sent that message out to our church, you know, I was under the assumption that everybody in the church, you know, kind of all agrees. We have a one mind when it comes to this. Like you, you said, Pastor Andrew, we know this is not. I didn't feel I was getting political by asking our church to pray that override be, be uh, overturned. That's not a political thing. I, I felt that that everyone everyone should know in our church that this is a this is a moral thing. This is an ethical thing, and and, and they do. Um, I'm sure I'm sure they do. But but come to find out, as I've been seeing kind of some of the reaction from this, you know, on Twitter and so forth, uh, not every church <laughs> really thinks that way. Uh, not every church uh, really believes this is such a a a, a moral black and white issue. Uh, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of talk of nuance and stuff like that. So in saying that, you know, what should our response be to, to again, it, this is a potential ruling, but from all accounts, it looks like it is going to happen. But if it does happen and, and Roe v. Wade is overturned, what should the church's response be? How should we feel about it being overturned as a church? I want to start by saying that I think that first and foremost, we, we still need to be able to defend our position uh, for those that 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 come against uh, the whole idea that uh, it should be overturned. But uh, I, I, I see all these people that are saying, please give me your arguments or your position uh, on your pro-life stance without leaning on religious standings. Right. Don't 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 go to religion for this. I see it all, all over the place. There's there's people that are saying that just don't just don't go to religion. And, um, you know, there's there's there are people that are that are just fine with giving their argument from a from a from a standpoint of, you know, I'm, I'm an atheist, but I believe that's a life and that's great. But I still want to go to the scriptures. Right. I still want to go to a place that says um, 
first and foremost, that's murder. There, there's actual uh, laws in Leviticus that, that say, hey, if a man strikes a woman and she and she uh, and her her child dies, that man should be held responsible. That's murder. And so this is this is one of those uh, this is one of those areas when I I say that I want to ask the question to those people that say, uh, don't lean on your religious position. And I'm going to ask, well, where do you get your moral standings from? Mm-hmm. You know, who, who where, should I just go off of your subjective opinion on what the morality should be here? You know, because I, I can't do that. None of us have an equal look, look at that unless we look at above us or look vertically to God and his moral standard and what he gives to us. And thou shalt not murder is one of the 10. And so that, that's, that's a big position I, I, I want to lean on. But I think in, in your question as well, Pastor Chris, you're asking, how should we respond to, to those that actually end up with child, you know, and don't have the option to maybe in their state, their, their state has struck down the laws and they're, they're not or struck down or come up with a law that says, hey, no abortions here. Um, how should we feel about those, those, those young ladies or, you know, those ladies that uh, find themselves with child and, and can't seem to take care? I think the church needs to step up. Um, and I think we have in the past. Here's what I would say. For all those that say, you know, uh, what are you going to do about this young girl that can't take care of the baby? And I say, test us. Test us to see what we'll do. Come to the church. See if we won't take care. Right? See, see, right. come to us and see if we, from a, from a God's perspective, will not take care of that. By the way, I just looked this up and I just wanted, you know, there's, there's, there's an estimated 3,000 adoption agencies in the United States. 3,000. Don't tell me there's no resources out there to keep this baby alive. There's 3,000. Okay. And so from my perspective, I think that uh, the church just needs to stand firm and and make sure we we know how to present our position. And second, we need to step up for the the ladies that find themselves in this position and say, test us because we want to take care of that child. Absolutely. I, I, I would say, you know, you know, the church's position should be one of rejoicing. Whenever we see God's light and salt and the general equity, and we've talked about this many, many times in many different other categories, but whenever we see righteousness being executed or being, or there is a righteous cause being pushed that is based upon the moral standard of God's law that will, that will, that will benefit the general equity of any nation, we should rejoice. We should uh, thank God that we have the ability that we have lawmakers, that we have the ability to pray to him, that uh, the hearts and minds are being changed, that certain laws are being either instituted or extricated from the record for us to be able to save more lives and to execute God's law to a much higher degree and a higher standard. So I think the first method of operation should be rejoicing. I think the second method should should be prayer. Uh, We have to be continued in prayer because this is not the end of the fight. As, as we just described, all this means is that the states will have the ability to decide cases in terms of abortion. So this is not the end. So I think the church needs to pray and be zealous and just continue on to be salt and light and herald the gospel. And, you know, to Jimmy's point, just to kind of uh, to finish up, it's like, you know, you know, the gospel has to be our center, right? Again, we say all the time, by what standard? By what standard are you judging life to be life? By what standard are you saying when life begins? And by what standard are you judging whatever life in whatever location at whatever age to be valuable, 
right? If we're all made in the image of God, we our image of God started somewhere, and it began as a human zygote scientifically. So I, I, I kind of hate sort of the, and, and I, I use that word not lightly, but I don't like the pro-life movement because I think the pro-life movement loses the gospel in in search of or in pursuit of trying to convince people. Listen, you are not going to convince people who are who have, who have hardened hearts, who are bent towards sin, who are trying to kill their own offspring, right? Understand this. We are trying to negotiate without the gospel, without Jesus, to people who are trying to kill their own offspring. Like, I mean, like, just think about this for a second. So, but that's the church's response that I that I feel should happen in that order, and we should continue the, the pursuit of righteousness in any nation that we find ourselves in. I, I want to throw this in and interject this one thing from, you said from a scientific, the zygote perspective of when life begins, but I, I want to give us one scripture reference, because this is my, this is my position, Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. But here's the thing. When I read that scripture, what I think is that life began in God's mind before the womb. And so all these people that want to say, um, you know, at conception, I would go even further and say that life began in God's mind. Uh, And so have your arguments, if you wish, about scientifically this and that. But I think we go to the word of God and we and we find that life uh, is his to give and take not ours. And so that's, that's an important distinction. Uh, it is, it is murder. Um, you know, and you can say, uh, I know that they always say it's a clump of cells. I, I, I would say this, uh, scientifically that may be a fact, but that's not non-life. It's not, it's not that it's that, that clump of cells is life, right? It just has not been formed fully yet. And, uh, fully development, full development is, is, a if that's a standard, then why not kill infants and toddlers, right? I mean, that's, you know, they're not fully developed either. I mean, right. why not kill them at, at 16, 17? Because, you know, they're not fully developed. Um, <laughs> anyway, I get off yeah, on a no, tangent. There's, no, there's a lot of bad arguments out there. I mean, there's the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I the, saw somebody... They can't make breathe a, on their own argument. Right, you know? exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I saw somebody make a meme, and uh, and and the meme was, the, it, it, at first, it was a person who was, you know, saying, you know, hey, it's just a clump of sales. And then the bottom portion was it was a Christian and saying, why are you mad at the Roe v. Wade or overturning? It's just a clump of words. Think, think about that. that. That meme is so brilliant because when you say it's a clump of cells, you are saying that basically it's nothing, right? No, that's a complex, uh, 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 a, a complex genetic reaction that has formed a human life that is growing, right? Yeah. Likewise, this is a complex documentation that means something. Life means something. And so does words and everything else that are put together. With by its, own, a, D, with by, its by, own DNA. Exactly. Its own, own DNA. DNA. Own blood type. Unique, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's good. Yeah. yeah. And I, I even think of, you know, I was kind of mentioning the, you know, the argument, well, it's not a human until they can bring up, breathe on their own. 
And I'm thinking about all those people we kept alive uh, during the COVID pandemic uh, with uh, <laughs> oxygen tanks and so forth, right? Yeah, so, better letters than everything else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, just to, a complimentary verse, Jimmy, to, to your text, Psalm 139, uh, 13, for you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. So I think, you know, there is scriptural basis for saying that, you know, this fetus inside the womb of the mo- mother is a human being. It is it is a child, right? So also, I just want to say, I like what you said, uh, Pastor Henry, about uh, being rejoiceful, right? And I think as a church, we should be unapologetically rejoiceful to, to this news. Again, the battle's not over. It, it's a long way from over. We're going to have to fight it at different levels to, to get abortion outlawed in this country, you know, there's that statistic that keeps coming up that America is like one of seven nations that permits abortion past 20 weeks. I mean, what kind of uh, of a country are we, right? What kind of a country are we living in that, that allows mm-hmm. such, again, I would say injustice. You know, we cry a lot about justice in this country. We cry a lot about wanting to be a just nation. Well, let's start by banning abortion. You know, if we want to be, if we want to have justice in this country. Let's start by mm-hmm. overturning it, not at just the federal level, but also at the state level. So, yes, there's a lot. There's a long road ahead. But at the same time, if this can save a few and if, if some states are going to be able to overturn and ban abortion because of uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned, then I, I believe that is cause for rejoicing as a church. Yeah. That is cause for us to be un- unapologetically uh, excited about the news and, 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 and to see this news as welcoming. And part of my frustration is just seeing some in the church kind of want to tamper our enthusiasm and want to say, well, you know, we can't be too excited because, you know, we might be offending some and and we might, uh, you know, be sending the wrong message or, you know, there's always this uh, this nuance that people want, want to have, you know, in, in subjects or in issues like this. And I think specifically this issue, there, there shouldn't be any nuance. I mean, this is a black and white issue. Yeah. I mean, again, like, like we stated earlier, this is not something that we can say, well, you know, this is a political thing and, you know, we're going to fight. No, political Political is like you're, if you're fighting whether you know taxes should be high or low. That that's political. If, uh, whether a, a child should live or die is not political. That is ethical. That Amen. is that is Amen. that is spiritual. That that is moral, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a violation of the fifth commandment. So. I don't understand why the church should be, uh, you know, uh, shaky on this issue or should be, uh, you know, uh, afraid to be unapologetically excited that Roe v. Wade will be a return. And that's kind of mm-hmm. part of my frustration. Another thing that I've been seeing is some people say, well, this has always been a complicated issue in the church. And I think that's even a lie. You know, the SBC uh, back in, I think, in the 70s or whatever, were debating this issue. And there were some on the on, on different sides of the aisle. But I think when you talk about the SBC, you're talking about just one denomination. Yeah. But if you look back at the history of the church, you know, I believe they've always felt that this was a moral issue. Let me just read from uh, the the Didache or the Didache, however you want to call it, one of the earliest uh, church uh, manuscripts that we have, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a very, very early manuscript. And it says this, you shall not abort a child or commit infanticide. This was the early church fathers and this was their position. Amen. And I believe this was the, the the position going going on throughout church histories. The church always held that killing a, an unborn innocent child in a womb was murder and was a violation of the fifth commandment. That shouldn't change today. It shouldn't change because it's not culturally popular or it doesn't get you, you know, equity in the culture or in pop culture or with the liberals. Because, you know, if you say these things, you're not going to get a seat at the table. Who cares about that? We should be caring about what is right and wrong. And again, I think abortion is a black and white issue. You make a, a really good point there, Chris. I think there's a lot of subjects that uh, that the, in the church today we want to waffle on just to get people to like us 
right? And Jesus said, they're going to hate you because they hated me first. I mean, this is something we should expect when we stand for truth. This is something that we should expect when we stand up and, and, and make our argument and say, hey, wait a minute, that is life. And so if people don't like it, well, that's tough, right? We're the church. And the church should always tell the truth. And one of the things that, that, that is so important, I mean, you go and you listen to a sermon that is convicting, right? On whatever subject, I don't care what it is. If you're sitting in, that, in, the, in the pews and you're thinking, that Pastor Chris, man, he's preaching right at me. Who told him about me, right? In, in that moment, you should, you should think to yourself, no, that's, that's God convicting you of your sin, right? If, if, if Pastor Chris is up there in the pulpit preaching truth and it hits you in a certain way, that just know that God is dealing with you. And uh, this right here on, 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 a, on abortion, I mean, this is, we just want to state the truth. And we're, you know, it's solar castle. We're going to tell the, the truth. So uh, in that, I just wanted to, you also use the word fetus. And I, I want to touch on something real quick, because I think this is important. The word in, in Latin, fetus means little one referring to the relatively small size of a pre-born baby. Yeah. There's a lot of people that want to use the word fetus as something, not a baby, but it actually means baby. It actually right. means little one. Absolutely. Right? And, and so when, I, when you hear somebody say, oh, it's just a fetus. Yeah, that's a little baby, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, the argument doesn't work as well, right? No matter what they try to do, ultimately, and without equivocation, the only reason this is an issue is, people, is because people want consequence-free sex, right? Here's the, here's the choice you have. Don't lay down with the guy, right? I know that sounds harsh, right? But it's the truth. And you know what? Here's, the, here's another thing. God's, I, I think there's a lot of people that look at Christianity and look at God's rules as, as limiting and keeping us. But God has given us those rules so we can flourish. He knows the best way. And he knows that a, that a family unit with a mother and a father in intact, that family unit will flourish. And that's why he, give us, he gives us these, these commands and tells us, this is how you should live. You live outside of that and then consequence, right? And then you're in a dire strait and you feel like that, right? So this is the, this is the point. Um, you had the choice when he was trying to, whispering sweet nothings in your ear or whatever, when he was doing that, you had the choice to say, you know what? I need to go because I don't like where this is going and we're not married. Right. And we're not in that position. So shouldn't be laying down with you. And everybody that's hearing me is saying, Jimmy, shut up. You shouldn't be talking like that. You know what? We're telling the truth here. And the Bible is unequivocal, right? Sex before marriage is not in God's plan. Absolutely. Right. It, it's called, it's called, um, Fornication, fornication for a reason, right? And nobody likes the word fornication, right? Nobody likes that word. Tough. It's true. That's sort of the bigger thing. And, you know, Chris, you brought up sort of nuance and sort of the black and white issue in terms of this being that way. But, I, but you know, when people use the word nuance, they are trying to paint a picture as like it's unknowable or like, no, nuance means that there are smaller truths inside of a larger truth right so we the, i'll give it a, a good example right so we talk about the wage gap yeah there is a truth in the fact that men make more than women but there are little truths that build up to that large truth right so why do men make more than women well we work longer hours the average woman works about 37 hours the average man works about 10 extra more hours um, women get pregnant men do not 
Women typically work more dangerous, more harder jobs, et cetera, et cetera. So they get paid more. Women are typically more agreeable. So they're going to take less as far as whatever. Men typically are not agreeable. They're going to negotiate their salary more. All these factors play a role. So you figure out that these nuances are still truth. Right. It's still a big truth and a small truth. It doesn't change. Like it, it, it doesn't. It doesn't make the truth gray. You see what I'm saying? Right, right. So, so like jumping off from that point, it's like abortion is abortion. Yes, you have cases of rape. You have cases of incest. You have cases that are just you know wildly heinous where young girls are being impregnated. But I would go over to say is that how many of those cases? Over ninety some odd percent of all abortion cases that are done, whether there's either no ex- explanation or they're done, are, 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 are they're simply done for financial reasons, right? Rape and incest make up less than 2%. I think one study showed it makes up less than 1.2% of all cases of actual abortion, right? So that means over 90% of all the abortion cases are done for a reason other than rape and incest, right? But even if that, let's talk about nuance, right? So we break this down a little bit more. If it's a case of rape, we are literally saying that we're willing to kill the child for the sin of the father. If it's not a case of rape and incest, we're still killing the child for the moral failures, to Jimmy's point, of the man and the woman that laid together, right? So this moral uh, sort of conundrum is not a conundrum at all. It's black and white, it's straightforward, even when you get down to the nuance of the particular matter. Let me read Ezekiel 18, 20, and this is repeated several times in Jeremiah and also Isaiah in many different types of ways. Ezekiel 18, 20, it says, the one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parent, nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. This is repeated several times in scripture. So, even if we want to go down, down to, the, to the most nuanced of like nuanced situations, at the end of the day, we have to do this with care. But at the end of the day, there is somebody being aborted. There is some child being killed and murdered, premeditated, by, by the way, by an abortionist and sort of the accomplice being the woman in this case, or being the man that's driving the woman to the abortion clinic or whoever, Right. But there's no nuance. This is black and white. No matter how far down you go down the rabbit hole, it's a it's a moral failure, and we have to speak against it. Pastor Henry, when you said that uh, men can't get pregnant, I think you offended a lot of people <laughs> out there listening to it. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, uh, just another thing that you know when we're talking about all this and just looking at at the reaction of the church, and you know, a lot of people kind of afraid to to offend and afraid to kind of uh, show that this is a black and white issue. I, I just want to just kind of mention the theological issue in all this too, because you know, if you think about. Um, Christ, when he was born, every week, uh, I know you guys at Ecclesia are doing the Nicene, and I'm doing the, uh, we're doing it at Redemptive City, we're doing the Apostles. Yeah. Every week we say, you know, that Christ was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Amen. And last week we had a episode on Christology, or last, the last episode, it was on Christology, and we talked about the two natures of Christ. And here's a theological issue. You know, we, we talk about Christ being conceived by the Holy Spirit, and if Christ in Mary's womb did not have a human nature, Let's say he was just a, a clump of cells or whatever you want to call it. If there was no human nature and there was only a divine nature in Mary's womb at conception, what does that do to our doctrine of Christology? 
what does that do to who the person of Jesus Christ is? Right. So, you know, the church cannot waffle on this issue. This is, this is not, again, it's not only ethical and moral. This is also a theological issue. You know, we, and we got to, you know, press forward in in what we believe. Uh, You're talking about statistics, uh, Pastor Henry. I just want to throw out, this is, you actually tweeted this out. I thought you were going to share, but let me go ahead and share. You kind of shared a little bit of it, but just, just to look at, you know, the percentages, right? So we have, the pregnancy resulting from incestuous relationships, 0.001%. The woman's life was endangered by the pregnancy, 0.065%. The woman was raped, 0.085%. The woman's physical health was threatened by the pregnancy, 0.288%. The woman's uh, psychological health was threatened by the pregnancy, 0.294%. There was a serious fetal abnormality, 0.666%. The woman aborted for social or economic reasons, 6.268%. So there's the biggest one so far. Yeah. But again, like you yeah. said, no reason at all, 92.3%. And here you have all these people saying, well, but, you know what I mean? Even the church, people in the church, well, but what are we going to do now? Yeah. How is the church going to respond to this? You know, we got to be pro-life mm-hmm. from the womb to the tomb. And if we're taking away the the access to abortion, then we got to make sure that all these women that want to have abortion are, are, are taken care of because all of these women, like it's, it's almost like all these women that are, that are rushing to the abortion clinics are, are just poor women that really, really want to have their baby, but they right. just can't because they can't afford diapers. And, yeah. and look what the church is doing. The church is so mean. They don't care about this, this young woman, over here that that really wants to have her baby but can't afford diapers and your church is getting into her body you know what i mean and, and telling yeah, her what she can yeah. and cannot do but i just read you all statistics that for social or, or economic reasons you're talking about six percent so we got 92 percent for no reason going back to jimmy's point 92 percent for no reason people just wanting to have you know un, uh, unprotected sex or even protected sex with no consequences right yeah. so this is yeah. this is the issue here and again go, this goes back to the church and our theological and spiritual uh, reasoning for banning abortion right because right. that even that sex before marriage fornication adultery even that is a church issue and look yeah. at the things that i'm throwing out here we're not talking about politics who made it political I don't know, but this is not a political issue. This is a spiritual, moral, and ethical issue. That's so good. Pastor Chris, you know, it made me think of something else, though. And and I just want to bring this up for this one particular fact. And maybe I'm speaking to the parents here of that that teenage daughter or that daughter in her early 20s that comes home and says, Mom, Dad, I'm pregnant. Right? Mm. And I just want to say, with all the compassion in my heart, do not drive them to an abortion clinic. You are the mm-hmm. parents. That is your grandchild, right? This is this is this is one of those mm-hmm. this is one of those things that 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 people do. And a lot of times, I think young young women are afraid to tell their parents, right? Like they never made a mistake. Like you know, they they never fell into something like this. But you know what? We're all sinners. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right. And so you need to have If you're listening to me, you know, somebody that's a parent that decided to drive their their child to an abortion clinic. Share the gospel, share the good news of Jesus Christ, because that person needs to hear the gospel. And, and just as, a, as an emphasis to what you were just saying, Pastor Chris, Luke 141. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Let's stop right there. <laughs> John the Baptist was uh, excited that Jesus was close, even in the womb. 
And so, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna go to scripture as our authority, we need to believe it from Genesis to Revelation, from Genesis chapter one to Revelation twenty-two, all Amen. the way through. And you look at this particular scripture and you know that is life. That is life that was in Elizabeth's womb, that was John the Baptist. And uh to to the point that you made earlier, Chris, and I think that people need to look at that. Parents need to do their part as well and give their children grace when they fall into a situation. They need, to, they need to look at their, at their kids as the sinners that they are because we're all that way. And if they come home like that, you know what? Don't shame them. Don't embarrass them. I mean, they, they're through enough shame already, right? Lead them to the cross. Lead them to repentance, right? Show them who Jesus is, right? In your grace, in, in the grace that you show them, they'll see the grace of God, right? Let your light shine so before men that they might see your good works and then praise your Father in heaven, right? And I guarantee you, I love holding my grandbabies, right? I love seeing my grandbabies. They're the cutest ones in the world. I don't care what anybody says, right? And so ultimately, I'm, I'm trying to give advice to, to, to parents here to just to say, be gracious to your kids, you yeah. know? when that happens right yeah this is this is typically what i tell young men and young women that um have committed fornication and then out of that fornicative uh situation a, a child is born and i'll typically tell this to married couple as well you know they got married but they did it after the fact after the fact that baby's here they committed fornication prior to they did not keep sort of the promissory note that they were not going to have sex before marriage what i'll typically say is look at this baby Look at this child. This is how gracious God is, is that even in the midst of our sin, he allows for the beautiful blessing of life to be, to be born out of that. Yes. Don't take that grace for granted, right? Like that, that, that's like, that, that is literally, that's literally the gospel being played out in unfortunately our fallen nature, right? But I mean, that is the grace of God. Uh, being shed, even in a, in a very common grace way, uh, although we would you know, naturally say that no grace of God is common, especially life being brought into the world. Yeah. Amen. I got one more question for you guys. I'm just look, thinking about the future and, and how we, we go forward and how the church you know, responds. Let's say this is uh, you know, overturned and the ruling comes out and so forth. So we talked about like, what should our response be now, but what about going forward? Is there anything that we can do as a church to, you know, maybe you know, we talked about maybe getting our message out right or whatever. Is there anything we can do to, to, to get this message that you know, what abortion is and, and to be clearer than we have been in the past? Another thing, I, w- I wasn't going to go here. Um, I wasn't going to bring this up, but it just came to mind. And I think it'd be a good time to bring this up. But you guys might not even know about this, but on, on the internet, you know, there was uh, this big dust up over Tim Keller and his approach to the culture. And Tim Keller has been, yeah. he's been, uh, you know, one of these guys who, who really kind of wants to make peace with the culture. And he, he, he tries to contextualize and he wants to bring the gospel over in a kind of very uh, nice way. I guess I don't know what else to say it. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, there was an article that came out that, that talked about, I forget the guy's name, and maybe we'll post it on the show notes. Who, who am I kidding? We never do that. We, we always say we are, but we never do that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, an article came out that kind of caused a stir in First Things uh, magazine, and um, 
And the article was talking about how uh, Tim Keller's way is kind of old fashioned. It's not going to work any- anymore. You know, it worked in more of a neutral culture when uh, the culture was, was more neutral. But now what we're seeing, I mean, I think any, any of our listeners know, even with this leak, I mean, we're seeing, you know, the people go into, you know, people's front yards. We're seeing uh, people come and crash churches. You know, I saw a video where these women dressed up like uh, the Handmaid's Tale, you know, walked into a Catholic church. I, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they kind of try to throw them out. So now you're seeing, I mean, you're seeing this this very hostile culture and 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 i guess the article was trying to say man you know tim keller's a way uh, of niceness and trying to uh you know maybe compromise on on a little bit of stuff here and there on, or on at least compromise on our tone uh, is not going to work right now now we have to be direct you know we have to be direct and bold uh with with our message uh at the same time, loving our enemies. I mean, I, I think there's biblical uh, commands and warrants for for doing things the right way. I'm not saying to to go all full Trump on anybody, <laughs> but um, but there is a way I, I think to to be bold and direct. But I mean, what do you what are your guys' thoughts on that? Just yeah, I, I pretty much say this. I, I say there's a difference between a Ninevite and a Philistine, right? You know, a Philistine blasphemed God; they wanted the people of God dead, and Ninevites they were just in sin because they were ignorant. Right. Or because they just did whatever they were going to do. Um, you know, I, I, I think that we're at a point in our in our in our culture where and you know, we talked about this in our at our at our men's meeting. That brother gave a brilliant point, um, you know, is that no matter how nice you are or how nice you want to sort of frame your presentation or your delivery. We are coming to a point in our culture where no matter what statement you make, if you have a position that is in Christ, it's going to be seen as utterly egregious and offensive to the world, right? right? No matter how nice you put it. So personally, this is me personally, right? I didn't have to take my position, but I think we're beyond the point in our culture where the niceties are, are necessary. I think we need to be pushing back and be, and sort of draw the line in the sand, which we should have done this a long time ago as a whole church, you know, universal body in America, because, you know, I'll, I'll be straight, straight and direct. I see abortion in our day and age as modern day Molech worship. Like we're literally allowing our children to be, to be modernized, passed into the fire, right? When you look at the, in, in the, in the Levitical code in Leviticus 8, 18, I believe, it kind of begins at verse six and it talks about uncovering your brother's sister's whatever nakedness and things like that. It talks about don't commit adultery with your friend's wife or whatever the case may be. And then if you go down to verse 21, God puts right in the middle of all these sexual escapades that you're not supposed to do, he puts right there, he says, don't allow your children to pass through the fires of Molech. Why does he put that there in the midst of all these sexual mandates, all these things that we're not able to do, right? Well, the reason why is because God knows that out of these fornicative and sexual immoral illicit relationships, there's going to be born children. And the natural inclination is to stave off responsibility, as Jimmy said. And how do you stave off responsibility? What's the, what's the quickest way? Kill the child. And so that's the way I see it. I'm sorry. It, it, it's just like it is a satanic spirit, and I see it that way. So I think the church's position should be, you know, definitely graceful, definitely try to help as much as we can. But I'll, I'll make this last statement, and it's going to sound harsh. When God told Israel to go into the land where people were sacrificing their children to Molech, I believe it was the Amalekites, he didn't tell them to set up houses and programs for these, for these people. He didn't tell them 
you know, to go in there and be nice and gracious. He said, utterly destroy them yeah. because they're, they are doing now, of course, I'm not a theonomist, I'm not a re- reconstructionist, but, but what I will say is, is that we need to destroy their arguments as we've been commanded in the new Testament. And we need to fight as much as possible verbally with the grace of the gospel, but also with the understanding of the wrath of God upon sinners who are blatantly sinning against him and his, and his, his word. You know, Pastor Chris, uh, back to your um, example of Tim Keller, right? I mean, I think he's off, also waffled on, on, on the whole evolution thing, right? Like uh, he's wanting to join those two things and say, you know, God could have used evolution. And I, I got to say, I mean, that, that is another place where he's gone wrong. Uh, because, again, if Scripture is our authority, we need, need to go to Genesis 1 to see how he created. And uh, he gives us exactly what he did, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And on the sixth day, he created man. And so it, there wasn't, there wasn't this, uh, this whole ev- evolutionary process. If he's waffled on that, I, I, it doesn't surprise me that he's waffling on this, right? But um, if Jesus is our example, Tim Keller is not my example, by the way. Uh, Mark Driscoll nor Tim Keller have a place in my heart like Jesus does. And when I look at what Jesus says, I'll just read something that Jesus said. Here's what he said. By the way, Matthew, I'm just giving you the address, Matthew 12. 34, you brood of vipers, <laughs> how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This was Jesus pulling no punches, mm-hmm. right? This is Jesus saying it like it is, right? If we're talking to the church um, and they are waffling on the issue, I, I got to sit there and say, you're like the Pharisees. Don't waffle on this issue. This is a hill to die on, mm-hmm. right? And, and so I would say, you brood of vipers, who who invited you in here to like waffle on Christianity and what it is? We know what Paul said about it. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that are perishing, right? And so when we when we preach, this is what we we need to continue to do is preach the gospel. Yes, we do it with grace. We 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 lift up our arguments with grace and with with respect. We respect persons, right? But we're not going to hold back and and just kind of well, maybe we can compromise. Christianity is not a compromised religion. We don't Amen. compromise here, right? And so that's that's the one thing. I mean, I, this issue right here is one of those issues that I just can't. You know, it's 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 not a. It, I, we talk about primary, secondary, and tertiary issues that divide the church. This is primary, mm-hmm. right? In my opinion, it's primary. Maybe maybe you, there's people that think different than that, but I think if I talk to another Christian, you should be on the same page with me on this one. Abortion is murder. And that yeah. is plain and simple. Amen. Yeah, no. If, if people ask, you know, is this abortion a dividing line? I say, hand me the chalk and I'll draw the line. You know, this is this is a, this <laughs> right. is a dividing line. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think, you know, just, you know, speaking on tone and, and everything like that, you know, just Matthew 10, 22, Christ says, you will be hated by many for, for my name's sake. And I think, you know, the church has kind of lost that. We, we want to be loved, you know, and we, we, we think that. You know, when we read scriptures like love your enemies, we think that means, you know, try and get your enemy to love, to love you. But that, that's not the case. It's not what it says. You know, we're supposed to love our enemies, but we're not supposed yeah. to do all we can and be winsome and talk nice so they can love us. And I think that a lot of people, uh, you know, try that that road and, and it's not going to work in a more hostile culture. Like you said earlier, Pastor Henry, they're not going to care the way you say it. The fact that you stand for Christ and you stand on God's word, even if you're not saying anything, but just, you know, having service, having church service or going to mass, although we have our issues with Catholicism. I mean, I don't want to 
people to take me out of context and says uh, solar cast endorses mass but i mean those people in in mass they weren't doing anything they weren't saying anything yeah they got attacked you know so yeah so even if you you just have a hold a position this battle is going to come to your front door without being nice or not uh you know i'll share my final thoughts and let you guys go but talking about just going forward i think i do think that we need to talk about this more in the church i think this is something that we don't want to talk about because we feel that it is political and we don't want to get political in the church you know i i saw a pastor the other day uh, talking about this with the news leak and everything saying that he's going to handle it with care because he knows that in his congregation he has some some pro-choice people and they might understand and so forth and and look you know uh again this shouldn't be a political issue you know yes it Mm -hmm. is because because you know yesterday i think we had all the democrats vote to code it into law or so forth so yeah we know it's been made a political issue but but it shouldn't be and it isn't it really it truly isn't And, and we should have no problem in the church talking about this i mean yeah i mean if i go up on a, on a Sunday morning behind my pulpit and talk about the tax rate. That's a political issue, and that's going to be a little weird. And yeah. I might, you know, I might, I might, I might cause people to to leave the church for for you know unnecessary reasons. Yeah. But but but, but when you're talking about abortion again, this is this shouldn't be. It should be something that we're afraid to talk about. If we need to educate, you know, our our, our members about some of these scriptures that we talked about about you know uh, life uh, starting at conception and so forth, then let's talk about it. Then let's let's educate and let's let let's train our people and so. So forth. So I think that's where we need to go. Uh, the second thing, you know, I just kind of, I, I don't think we should end without saying this, you know, and I think we said this in our last abortion episode, Jimmy, is abortion is not an unforgivable sin. If you've had an abortion, if you've taken this route in the past, just remember that that the grace is still there. And God is God is able to forgive and he's able to wipe your sins away. He's able to give you a fresh start and a new start. You know, old things have passed away, all things have become new, Second Corinthians five, right? So we know that this is uh, something that you can bring to God. So if there's anybody out there listening and they've they've had this, we don't mean to pile on. We don't mean to get up here and say, you know, you you need to be blacklisted and kicked out of the church. No way. I mean, if anything, we 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 want you to join us in, in our in, in the mission of the church and maybe you, you have you know a testimony to tell how god can forgive and god Absolutely. can restore uh and, and you can help educate others to, to not go down this route so you know we just want to i just i just want to end on that is that you know if this is something that uh you know you have done in the past just know that that, that, that god's grace is sufficient or the grace of christ is sufficient uh to uh cleanse you of all unrighteousness to Amen. restore you into a, a wonderful relationship with, with god the father uh, through jesus christ yeah, that's good, Pastor Chris. I think that, um, you know, in my final thoughts, I was uh, just saying that what you just said about forgiveness being there, that's important. I think that there are, you know, I, I addressed parents earlier, right? Uh, there's forgiveness for parents as well. There's also forgiveness for the fathers of young men, right? Um, I mean, the fathers of, of these children, right? Because you have something to do with it as well. And I think I, I, I would want to end with, by just speaking to those young men who are in this situation. Bro, don't go get the money for an abortion yeah. and raise that up, right? Make a stand and say, you know what? This is my child. This is my child. Um, I, you know, I'm going to continue to make pleas to different, to different, you know, different situations, right? Uh, I want to I be gracious to those uh, that are in this situation, but I want to tell young men most of all, you know, or, or, you know, older men, whatever it is. I mean, if you're, if you're a guy listening to this, you have a right to say, wait a minute, that's a life. And I believe that's a life. And mm-hmm. we, we need to be together on this. You know, even if you don't get married, if, even if you don't show some responsibility, right. And, and pay for your child, 
you are supposed to lead that child and, and teach that child and, and, and grow that child and, and bring him to a, to a place where he sees you, right? Um, there, are, there are so many things I can say about being a good father. Um, I, I, I would say that I wasn't for a long time. When I came to Christ, man, my eyes were open to how important fatherhood is, right? And so I will, I will, just, I will just throw that one thing out there as my last thought. If you're a, a, a man in this situation, step up. Right. Okay. Step up and make a stand and don't let this be repent. Put your trust in Christ. Come to come Amen. to the Savior. Go to the church. Get some help. Do not find the funds for an abortion. Mm. Right. Don't do it. Right. Make a stand. Absolutely. I, I, I would definitely say in my final thoughts, I try to make them brief as possible, but I would say definitely second and third what you gentlemen said. But I would say, you know, we have to be zealous for it. And I would say, if you're not zealous for it, it's going to take a strong heart. You're going to have to ask Christ to give you a conviction about this. But I would say the first place to start, and it may be gruesome, go and look at some of the photos online of these babies on, on tables with, excuse me, with, you know, with cracked skulls and torn off limbs and legs and how they're parting each parcel of their body for them to be sold to whatever research labs or whatever to be, um, you know, treated like just like, like, like disposable waste. Um, those are lives. And we have to understand that we have to be zealous for that. And that's why I'm so zealous those for it. And I'll, I'll, I'll take it a secondary point. I, I put out on Twitter and, you know, it, it was a little bit harsh, but I, I felt it was necessary. And, you know, we talk about all this stuff. We talk about being minorities and, and minority this, and we decry racism, et cetera, et cetera. But, but black women only make up 12% of the, of, of the world, uh, of the United States population, but they make up anywhere between historically 32 to 38% of all abortions performed. And I, I, and, I, and I said this, I said, nothing makes a white supremacist more happier than minorities killing their own offspring. So that's why I'm zealous for this. That's a secondary reason why. So I, I think that, that we do well to look at scripture and understand that this is a moral issue. Proverbs 31.8 says, I'm reading from the New King James Version, it says, open your mouth for the speechless in the case of all those who are appointed to die. Amen. We got to do something. Yeah. You've got to speak up. Hey, I want to throw one last thing out there, Pastor Chris. Um, and I just thought of this, and this is important. If, if it does get overturned, I mean, and it looks like that's what's going to happen. And if you live in a state where they decide, um, here's, here's the law that we're going to enact, right, uh, at, at your state senate or whatever it is, show up at the polls, right? Go register to vote. Make your voice be heard. Let's not, let's not stand in the shadows anymore. There's a lot of people that just say, well, I'm just going to be the the silent majority start to say something let's stop let's stop being the silent majority on this issue right let's stop that right let's step up and say what we mean uh and i think that that will do that uh, if you register to vote show up at the polls 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good stuff, guys. Well, I hope you out there enjoyed this episode. I know it was a little heavy at times, a little serious at times, uh, but you know we don't mind getting serious. We're we're always joking around, so we got to get serious sometimes, guys. But um, you know, if you got anything to add to the discussion, any questions, any pushback, uh, maybe uh, I don't know, maybe you don't like Jimmy's tone or something like that. Go ahead and send him a, a message. Uh, you can uh, find us on our website www.thesolarcast.com. You can also look for us on our social media sites. Uh, on Instagram at the Solacast, also on Twitter at Sola underscore cast. And you guys are at I'm at Los Jimmy and I'm at Knox Broadcast. And I'm going to see Hernandez 214. Also, make sure you check out our partners at the Bar Network at the Bar Podcast Network.com. At nope. the bar podcast.com. The bar podcast.com. Always get that wrong. <laughs> hit, hit, the, hit the link tree and you'll see the rest of the shows. Uh, go in and like hearts for the lost the podcast.com uh, uh, the podcast as well. And just one one quick thing, uh, Pastor Chris, we are having an event in Mesquite. If you're in the Dallas area, yeah. um, we're going to have a hearts for the lost, going to have a compelled conference at Ecclesia in Mesquite on July the 9th. Uh, which is a Saturday. There's an Eventbrite registration out there. And if you guys, uh, you know, you want to come out and, uh, you know, get some uh, training on evangelism and then hit the streets with us, that'd be a good day to do it. Uh, just want to throw that out there uh, and say, you know, it's 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 good. I think that Redemptive City is going to partner with us on that as well. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, even if you're if you're in driving distance from Dallas, right? I mean, if yeah. you're in the surrounding states or you're maybe you're in Houston or San Antonio listening to us, you know, make the trip. Come on out. You know, be, I think it'd be cool. It'd be a little fun day trip and yeah. you know, get to meet us and hang out with us and find out you don't like us and stuff like that. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, if you're looking for a church to visit and if you're, you're on the east side of town, make sure you check us out at www.ecclesiachurch.org. If you're on the west side or south side, you can find us at www.redemptivecity.org. But anyway, until next time. Let's get to the meat. Yes, sir. Let's do it. Okay. I just made this beat right now. I'm MC Goya. Okay, listen. Hey, I'm on the ground like El Chapo in a tunnel, eating about 12 tacos. I'll put you in a box like a gato. Punchline stay in my mouth like Mr. Sacco. Jay thinks he runs Christian hip hop. He wears white socks when he wears his flip flops. And he looks like Shook Knight. I put him in a chokehold and say goodnight. It's not music, but clothes that he started. I can find better shirts in a flea market. Okay, Google, who's the best rapper? Goya, rapping graces, full of slack.